everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that keeps getting frustrated at technology autocorrecting its show titles. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the animated TV special Enter Galactic. Created by Scott Miscuti and Kenya Barris, Enter Galactic premiered in September 2022 on Netflix and serves as a visual companion piece to the album of the same name by Kid Cootie, which was released simultaneously alongside it. The special follows Jabari, a street artist that has recently been picked up by a comic publisher to create a comic based on Mr. Rager, a character he created. As Jabari soon finds himself trying to balance the weight of these new corporate expectations, a chance meeting with his next-door neighbor Meadow opens up a new way for him to rekindle his passions. He only needs to see if he can make room for love. Enter Galactic was met with positive reviews, having a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, with critics praising the visuals, music, and the rom-com story. And, as always, there will be spoilers. Alright, so I get the sense that not many of us knew what the heck this show was before Marcus sprung this on us. Uh, I might be speaking for all of us here, but this was definitely true for me because I had no idea this show was a thing. I'm not especially tapped into the music pop culture scene. I... I just know like the big names usually of the the pop hits on that come up on the radios like your T Swifts, um, but I I've heard the name Kid Cudi just like occasionally here and there. I knew I knew some of like I I think I can recognize some of the songs, but I don't follow a lot of the things going on, especially not album drops or album releases. I think my mind's more focused on um, <laughs> the anime and manga side of uh, my my media consumption. But uh, I did not know that this, this basically feature-length movie was released alongside this album that Kid Cudi made. And I think it's, like, really cool that this this sort of art expression happened. It's almost like thinking way back when, I say way back when, but like maybe 15, 20 years ago with uh, the gorillas. It almost feels like something like that, uh, where you have this animated music video or animated companion piece that goes along with the songs themselves. Maybe it happens like diegetically in the universe or in the case of Intergalactic, it kind of happens, the music fills in the space or the background. Uh, and so, yeah, I really think that this is a, I mean, it's a really nice companion piece to uh, a greater album. As a movie, I think it's also pretty great. Um, I think most of the the reviews I've heard about this show said that it's a rom-com story that we've seen quite a lot very reminiscent of When Harry Met Sally and those rom-com-esque storylines from that era. But I think the greatest strength for this this movie 
is the visuals. I was completely blown away by the visuals. We, I think Iris and I looked at each other and said, oh yeah, very, very Spider-Verse at the very beginning. Uh, just the style of it. But it, it's, it's very reminiscent of Spider-Verse, but it also has that sort of, I don't know how else to describe it, that like ethereal vaporwave vibe to it with just like a splash of color uh, everywhere you look. I, I honestly could probably take a screenshot of any of the background scenes and put it as my desktop background. That's how beautiful they are. But yeah, I really did like watching um, watching this, this show just based on the visuals and just listening to the music. It was a nice vibe all around, uh, is, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, but what about the rest of y'all? What did you think of Enter Galactic? Uh, did you enjoy it? Did you think you could have wanted some more? Yeah, I had a, a good time watching this movie. I think uh, the... I think broadly, I would tend to agree with the points that this is, you know, definitely trodden territory. You know, uh, the Harry Met Sally comment is bang on the money. I don't feel like in terms of just the purely looking at the story itself, that the narrative arc, I'm not, it's not breaking any ground. But that also didn't feel like the point. I mean, this felt very much like an art piece. Right. This uh, it actually, in some ways, kind of fell a little bit like a jukebox musical might in that the narrative is there you know, to be the point of the story. Sure, absolutely. But it's also there in part to serve as the vehicle to bring us from one musical moment to the next and one animation moment to the next. It really did feel like the the animation sequences and a lot of, as I I think, uh, as you described it, sort of ethereal vaporwave. And I would even add pop art to that mix. Uh, Definitely has some like pop art influences, I, I would say. But it felt like that really kind of was the point of the film in the first place, you know? Uh, the the story was fun. I had a good time. I think they had some some good lines. You know, some good kind of m- almost mic drop moments. Calling it mic drop moments feels a little bit too, uh, you know, like it seems too more intentional than I'm trying to uh, describe it as. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm not going to like you know, rant and rave about this movie. You know, the next time I have a need of a recommendation, but. It was fun. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so, uh, as Alex said, I brought this here. Um, I, I guess my my background on Kid Cudi maybe like, a, a very small amount higher than everyone else's just because I somewhat followed his discography early. He, you know, Day and Night was his, his debut single, and that was very popular, at least when we were in high school, so I guess that dates us. But um, there was... Every day we uh, get closer to getting doxxed. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Um, also, Dan, but, did I mispronounce his name? Is it Cuddy, not Cootie? It is Cuddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all good, though. It's, it's all good. It's all love around here. Um, the, like, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about Intergalactic, and really the only thing that made me even kind of think about it to bring it here to the podcast, is that it's his last studio album release. This is effectively... It's not like a bookend, in, in a sense, on his career, but it is kind of like a an inflection point of where I think he wants to take his career. He's been more involved in film and in art projects like this than he has been in music over the last couple of years. And I think 
Intergalactic feels like his last kind of like stamp on the music genre. He just simply doesn't really want to, you know, I can't speak for him, but from what he said, uh, at least from what I was reading on the Wikipedia page about what he said, uh, <laughs> it seems like he doesn't really want to be doing music anymore. He wants to be doing something different. Uh, and I've always appreciated Kid Cudi for his 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 artistic vision, I guess. I'm going to be honest. I don't really th- I don't really like a lot of his music too much. I don't really think his voice is that great, and I don't like a lot of the the songs that he puts out, with a couple okay. of exceptions. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> it's just you know. But um, I have always appreciated that he's very soulful in the way that he makes his music, and in the way that he tries to make that you know make the music bigger than just the sounds. I guess if that makes any sense. Uh, like he he likes to do this kind of showmanship stuff likes to put a lot more than just you know the music and the discography to it uh, and this is one such example so I, I thought you know hey let's just give this a shot I didn't know what the movie was about either um, that you, you're you're both absolutely right there is really nothing to this movie um, it is more of an art piece it is more of a vibe um, but I think it's just um, it's very enjoyable to watch for a lot of the reasons where I would normally like I don't know there's there there's nothing really that I can praise this movie for to be honest aside from you know visuals music art and you know all that stuff and then when I'm saying that it's like oh well I can actually praise this movie for literally everything that the movie gives you <laughs> music art you know the vibe the the black culture all that stuff so uh, in, in that respect like there's nothing wrong with it but on on the other hand this is not really a movie you know it's not really Take, it's not really taking me somewhere. I'm not leaving it feeling like I was impacted in any way uh, or, or moved in any particular way emotionally. I just enjoyed my time watching it. So it's very strange. I, I, I actually did take a listen to a couple of the songs on the album just to see if that was going to help me connect the dots so to speak and this is this is why i mentioned that i'm not really a huge fan of his music because i still wasn't really connecting with it that much i still wasn't really enjoying it so i feel like i i missed something maybe but the 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 watch the movie experience was enjoyable to me like objectively it's just that there's not really much more i can say about it which is very strange i don't think i come out of a lot of watching experiences that way I gotta say, man, it is a really bold take to be like, yeah, I brought this movie because I like the artist and I don't like his music, but I had fun <laughs> watching the music, the movie. Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure like how to how to synthesize all the things you just said into one coherent stance. Honestly, me neither. That was a lot of rambling on my end. So, <laughs> all right. Well, if y'all are ready for a perhaps more bold take. Oh, oh okay. Hot fine. take of the episode. Eleven minutes in. Let me start. Let me let me start off by saying that the visuals are genuinely amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's hard to argue with the visuals in this film. I mean, as Iris and Alex both said, it is very uh, Spider Verse esque. It has that style. It knows when to it knows when to express itself, and also it knows when to hold back, which I think it's it's very good at. Enter the Galactiverse. <laughs> there we go. I don't think I'm going to edit that out. No, don't. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and I also really enjoyed the music as well. And I'll get to my favorite scene in a bit, obviously. Um, but my favorite scene, actually, it doesn't involve music, but I'll, I don't know why I brought it up. But my favorite scene like, was genuinely a good scene where it was, the f- it was a moment where I felt like uh, like an actual emotional reaction. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because 
this was actually pretty tough for me to watch um because it i i was i was very bored um <laughs> and that's really saying something based on how great the visuals were um and i think that i always have trouble trying to separate the you know the media from the medium but i th- I, I think part of it is that like rom coms aren't really my type of genre that I like. I mean, I liked when Harry met Sally when I watched that film, um, and I know we brought it up. And I like rom coms in general. I think, um, but I don't know. Like, uh, like this film didn't really feel like it had the an actual like thing about it, plot wise and character wise. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like. The crux of the conflict of this film is a very, not even cliche, but so played out thing of just miscommunication. There's like nothing else underneath the, oh no, they miscommunicated about this one thing. And that's the entire crux of them being like, I guess we're breaking up now, right? As opposed to like something that would make it more interesting or something that like actually happened, if that makes any sense. Like, all of these things are very external to both Jabari and Meadow about their motivations and who they are that like them as characters, you know, wanting to be together and then actually being together didn't even really feel that satisfying to me just because it was like, all right, this is happening now. Okay. I guess they're fighting now. I don't really see why (laughs) I guess there was this miscommunication about this one thing, but like, it's not like they did anything. And then, and then the movie's over. Um, so yeah, I I think that ultimately, like, as you say, this is more of a visual art piece and a musically one. And I do think that that's where its strengths lie, but because that, because it leans so heavily in those directions, it kind of feels more spectacle than actual substance, which I, I guess there's nothing really wrong with that, but perhaps it was just not something that I was looking for. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with what you said, Michael, that as the story goes, it does hinge on that like one miscommunication uh, for most of the conflict of the movie, which, I mean, we've seen before. We've seen it done better before, but uh, I will play a little bit of a dev- I, will, I will play a devil's advocate here um, and just thinking of it as like maybe not maybe we shouldn't consider this as a movie uh, up to like movie standards, quote unquote, because I don't think the creators set out to make a really complicated story with this one. I think most of the focus was put into the music and how the music, because from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, but each of the parts that we see, um, in the show itself, the parts where it's like part one, and it has the title of the part. Those are each song names on the album. And the way that um, Kid Cudi was constructing this uh, was, or the people who were working with him to construct it, were taking the song names of the album, creating little interstitial parts or little, like, bite-sized pieces, and then stringing a story that evoked the emotions of all of those songs together. 
So it makes sense why the story is not completely sound, that it's not as complicated or well thought out as a movie script. But considering it from the perspective of an embodiment of the songs on the album and being a visual sort of pairing, I guess you could say, to the songs themselves, that might be a better way to to look at how this this show was constructed. I mean, we, we can still, of course, compare the show and its its faults to rom-coms that we already know, but I think there is merit in taking a look at it from that musical representation, a visual representation of a musical art piece. Yeah, I mean, you you basically hit the nail on the head for my take on this. Like, Michael, I agree with everything you said, 100%. I think the actual story of this really kind of lacked a lot of substance. And in particular, right, I mean, we've... We've seen this kind of, you know, uh, story where the entire conflict hinges on one very easily resolved miscommunication, but then people making assumptions and just leaping to, you know, the most drastic course of action immediately, whereas a simple, hey, what's going on here? Oh, yeah, it's this. This is the misunderstanding. Okay, cool. Would have solved the whole thing. Like, we've seen that before. We've talked about it before. I think we have pretty well firmly established that that's kind of basically like the 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 least strong choice you can make for how to set up a conflict like this but i i don't think that the failures of the narrative bothered me as much as it seems like they did you because it sort of seems to me like this is the piece that you need to take for what it's trying to do and that's kind of the point you were getting at alex and again i'm going to i'm going to reiterate what i said earlier about this being essentially a jukebox musical and i realized you know halfway through that that i hadn't defined that term that is like a a, a like a very specific term in the theater world. The jukebox musical is a musical written from a pre-existing body of work, very often a single album by a single band. But like um, there is a there is a jukebox musical about music done by the Who, right? I mean by um, by a certain perspective. I mean I'm sure that if we have any like people in the you know, who are listening, people may disagree with me, but I think by certain perspectives, you could call American Idiot a jukebox musical, right? And the thing about a jukebox musical is that you are working with a predetermined list of sort of emotional beats that you have to hit because the music already exists. And the story is there to serve as the vehicle from point A to point B and string it all together. But that means necessarily it's going to be kind of contorted into a particular shape. Uh, and in this case, you know, Alex, as you were describing, each of these parts is named after one of these songs, right? Uh, it, it seems very much like a lot of the plot was to bring us to certain moments that it wanted to hit, certain emotions it wanted to evoke at certain times. And that was the critical point, that we get this emotional uh, this, this emotional landscape with this certain visual, with this certain song. Uh I think on that front, right, as a sort of, as a jukebox musical or as a showcase of these kind of artistic uh, blendings, you know, this this kind of interdisciplinary collage of, of artistry, I think on that front, it did a pretty good job. Does that make for a very engaging story? Not so much. But it's, I think it's ultimately kind of a matter of how much emphasis do you place on that in your own personal viewing experience. And I don't think there's a wrong answer. 
Fair enough. All right, Marcus. Well, since you're the one who brought this movie to our doorstep, why don't you start us off with your favorite moments and favorite characters? Uh, I want to shout out Keith David for voicing Mr. Like the one yeah. line that Mr. Rager has. Uh, I love Keith David. He's great. So uh, he's not my favorite character, though. I'll, I'll start with my favorite moment. And I do want to actually talk about the 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 quote-unquote, uh, you know, miscommunication scene. Because I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it's, it is very played out. I don't think there's any way I can argue against that. But I do like how this movie treated it in the way that it kind of went through the motions of getting us through and around that. Um, but, so, basically, Carmen... Carmen's a bitch, by the way. I don't... Like, Carmen is just an absolutely <laughs> hateable character through and through. Um, Carmen sends, you know, a, a you know racy text uh, about how Jabari left his sweatshirt over at her house, or over at her apartment last time she was there, uh, and Meadow sees it, and Meadow, you know, gets mad at it. Uh, instead of going directly into the confrontation, we instead see what actually happened first, without any context. Like, the next chapter just immediately begins, and we're transported to a point which we realize is the past, where Jabari goes over, Carmen is terrified because there's a rat in her apartment, and Jabari takes his sweatshirt off and attempts to get the rat out of the apartment. And, like, that's it. And so... You know, obviously we, the viewer, know, because we've seen rom-coms of this style very often, that this is going to be resolved as a simple miscommunication where people are overreacting and then eventually get the time to have space, take some time off, communicate, get back together. But we get to see that in a way that where the, you know, the conflict is immediately kind of de-escalated, in, I guess, in a way. Like, you can, you're watching the scene and you immediately know there is no issue. Um, you, you, in, in fact, once you see the scene, you're kind of like, okay, how are they going to actually treat the confrontation now that we know that this is actually just nothing? This is Carmen just being weird and stuff. Um, I think that, and then it goes through the process of A, we get Jabari going back to Carmen's apartment and having a talk with her and being like, yo, that's not cool. And then B, uh, their first kind of like, their first kind of conversation where Meadow is obviously very standoffish, but also is very busy with her own, like, uh, her own, like, art um, display thing that she has going on at the museum. Like, she, even if she did want to talk to Jabari about it, she doesn't have the time to because her mind is focused on something completely different. Uh, I don't know, like, I said everything that just kind of happened in the movie uh, during those points, and... It, it really isn't that groundbreaking, but I liked the way they just kind of laid that out. It was it was almost as if it knew that we. It was almost as if it knew that the audience knew it was going to happen and just made it very clear. Like it didn't try to artificially create drama. Didn't try to you know raise stakes in a way that would have changed the emotional tone of the movie. I guess it just kind of said this is what happened. This is what actually happened. Here's conversation number one. Here's conversation number two. They eventually resolve it. Uh, with, you know, what I what I would say is a pretty satisfying conclusion with Meadow giving the speech at the museum. So, I don't know, I just really like that scene because it was it was like a no-bullshit kind of scene. And honestly, this, this entire movie feels very no-bullshit in that way. But uh, it just really, I, I liked the honesty about it and I liked how, you know, for the most part, any kind of drama that we see in these kinds of rom-coms and movies like this is really generally you know, inflated. It's artificially created to create, you know, emotional investment in the audience. And this movie didn't really feel like it needed to do that. So, I don't know. That's kind of cool. 
favorite character. Well, I guess I'll talk about. I'll talk about Jabari because <laughs> Jabari is not really a character. Um, <laughs> he, he's just he's just like. He's just a guy. Like there, there is. He's got a you know. Ex, he's obviously got a really excellent apartment, and he's got a really cool career being a, a comic book artist uh, in the city. But otherwise, like there really is nothing he's aiming for. To be honest, like he acts. He, he kind of just accidentally falls into the relationship with Meadow, and he's more than willing to just kind of go along for the ride without really trying to actively pursue her. Uh, even though his friends are all like, "No, you gotta, you know, you gotta go for Meadow." Um, and I, I, again, it just, it's very strange because I, I don't like that in, in the sense that like, I would rather he did have a character, but again, it feels in line with what the movie is trying to do. it feels in line with how Kid Cudi is and, you know, Kid Cudi voices him. So that makes sense. But even still, like, it feels like Kid Cudi comes through Jabari in a lot of different ways. And I don't know if you guys would be able to see that depending on your knowledge of, you know, how, how Kid Cudi is as a person, but uh, I, I got that very strongly through Jabari. And I thought that it was just like, he's just kind of a guy that's going through things. He He's a relatively normal guy, even though he seems to be pretty well off. Uh, and again, it just feels like a very relatable character that doesn't really doesn't really need something super high stakes to make his story interesting, I guess. You know, he does have an interesting story to him. He's just a regular guy. Um, so I... The, every time I like stop talking I, I look back at everything I just said and I'm like what did I just say what like what what substance ended up being in the words that I just like came out of my mouth it's very strange but it's again, okay Marcus I, you're, you're speaking your truth <laughs> I, I'm speaking something I don't know if it's truth but uh it it everything about this movie feels well put together and i think that's what i'm trying to convey here like there is nothing really special about this movie but everything falls into place in a way that makes it really feel like this was done with a lot of meticulous detail which i have to give credit to all right well i'll go next uh my favorite scene is uh nearing the end of the movie they have they are on the on the splits as it were at this point um, on the splits? I don't know. Is, was is that a breaking thing apart? people like, say on the split? That just know. makes me think that they're doing a gymnastics routine together. I feel like I've heard that phrase. Uh, anyway. I think it might be on the fritz. You know what? That has sounds nothing better. to do with relationships. Let's clarify. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know what you mean. I, yeah, I really don't. What? Okay. There are, I like, get you, Michael. <laughs> yeah, like they're, like they're on the verge of breaking up, right? That's what that means. Anyway. On the... On the ropes, maybe? maybe? No. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so, this is right after Jabari has uh, has his uh, has the Mister Rager comic like greenlit by his um, Cosmic Comics. That's what this place is called, right? Yeah, Cosmic um, Comics. Yeah, and um, you know everyone's congratulating him, and he's like, you know, walking his party, he's feeling good, um, and he goes to, you know, he wants to text Meadow like, hey the my mr rage is getting greenlit like do you want to hang out or whatever and then um he deletes the text and i think that in that genuine moment of like you know not knowing how this is resolved like what's actually even going on um it was really powerful for me it was genuinely like an, an emotional moment for me um 
as in to say that for me at least it was a few t- it was a few moments where I actually felt like there was drama and in, in, in the conflict right um and so that moment was very well executed for me um as for my favorite character uh i mean as marcus said uh, jabari isn't really a character and i guess i mean i don't even know if i would say the same for meadow honestly because i feel like she has a little bit more characterization than jabari um and so i'm just gonna give a joke answer and my favorite character is uh timothy chalamet as a drug dealer yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay his name's jimmy which he plays very well by the way like yeah, that was very surprising to learn that Timothy Chalamet was. Okay, well, I, I, at least for me personally, <laughs> it very much had the. This sounds like T- Timothy Chalamet speaking in a voice booth uh, effect right now. That's just me. Maybe it's just because Timothy Chalamet's voice is like so distinct in my head. And I'm like, Jesus, it felt really jarring. But that's it's just the me. curse of becoming too successful as an actor is that voice acting is just. Everyone is going to know your voice for being you. That's that is true. It's uh, the Matt Mercer curse, if you will. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah. So you know, it, like in Dune, he 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 likes drugs in this one, and in this one, so it, it works out. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you're not one. wrong. <laughs> and that's the last I'll say on that. All right. So I uh, immediately after finishing the movie, I for the first time in my life thought ahead and I was like, okay, I'm going to write down my favorite moment like now while it's fresh and remember it. And, uh, you know, 24 hours later, here I am being like, I'm not actually sure that I agree with my initial my initial instinct. So age has made you wiser. Sure. Uh, But I will. I will. I'll, I'll use what I initially wrote down to kind of segue into into what I really feel like I remember the most. Um, and it'll, it'll make sense. So I'm just going to go. What I wrote down immediately afterwards, my favorite moment, was the sort of melancholy montage right after they kind of break up, air quotes. You know, because they never actually, like, say, I'm breaking up with you. But right after it's clear that, you know, they're fighting and, you know, she's not talking to him. And then we just kind of see this whole series of shots uh, of both of them going through their daily lives. But every single one of them is sort of this mirrored, uh, you know, inverse, uh, you know, sad version of a shot from previously, of a shot from prior in the movie when they were happy and together. So the shot of, uh, you know, them running to the subway and just making it on the train and then kissing is a shot of, Meadow running to the subway and tripping and missing the train, right? Uh, a shot of uh, Jabari doing a bike trick and being triumphant and king of the city. He tries the same trick and wipes out and absolutely eats it. Uh, the the moment where they're, you know, they get on their balconies and they're sort of one after the other, look over to the other balcony to see if the other one's looking for them, right? Uh, I just, I... I I remember that being striking in my memory at the time because I was like, oh, I like the the construction of this. You know, I like how they took, you know, uh, it's it's a good use of repetition. It's a good use of iterating upon a theme. Um, and it's not, like, with the benefit of a little more time to percolate on this movie, I don't disagree that that was a nice moment. But I feel like the real answer for, like, kind of my favorite, my, my favorite part of this movie were a lot of just the little details 
there were no like grand narrative scenes. There's no scene that was like my favorite scene. There are like little touches that are my favorite touches, like the worry plant in his uh, office. That, 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 that's my favorite scene. So I'll let you talk about that. I really loved every scene with Mr. Rager, and I guess I'll segue right into it. Mr. Rager is my favorite character. Uh, I I think it was such a great way to. I'm not 100% clear, you know, whether Mr. Rager is supposed to be his internal monologue or a representation of something aspirational for him, the person he wants to be, whether it's the expression of, like, his inner self that he, you know, can't uh, express in his everyday life. I think it's intentionally supposed to be kind of vague. But every moment where Mr. Rager, like, looked back at the camera and winked or made a face or did a gesture or... uh, did 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 he talk at one point? Did he say a line at one point? He did. It was yeah. a very weird dream sequence. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think it was it was just such a great uh, way of very not imprecise communication of like a vibe. Like I couldn't tell you for certain what I think Mr. Rager was saying or intending to communicate at any point, but I can tell you what it felt like he was saying. And it just felt so, um, so much like it was a, a, a construction that arose very naturally from the narrative that they were weaving. So I think it probably tells you something that my favorite character is a narrative device, but you know, that's what I got for you. All right. Well, I will talk about my favorite scene, which is the worry plant scene um, when Jabari is getting, I think it's like his first day or maybe one of his first days in his new office in Cosmic Comics. And the the office space is very, very modern. It has all those nice, what, what, did, uh, what did his co-workers say? It's like clean, bright, bright, light, and white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Which, uh, and, there, you know, there's a little bit of layer to that. I mean, it's yeah. not very it's not very subtle, but it is layered. Yeah. And the, the office space looks like a, a typical office space of, I don't know, say like Google or Apple with all these like bright colors and beanbag chairs everywhere. Um, and we see this nice montage, or not montage, but like time lapse of Jabari just sitting in his room, uh, in his office, like plugging away at his drawings, moving to the whiteboard, coming back uh, for an entire day until he eventually falls asleep uh, at, uh, at the end of the day at his desk. And all the while we see the worry plants start to grow and sprout flowers and get bigger and bigger. And I don't know, something about that scene was extremely relatable to me as somebody who has like, run into a block on a project that they're working on or I, I god i think we talked about this in our last episode <laughs> it surfs up but the uh the jobification of a hobby that that you once loved um and i mean I'm, we're laughing about i'm laughing about that but it really did evoke that feeling of of Someone saying, like, God, I loved doing art for such a long time, but now that I'm being forced to do it, I can't come up with things that I'm not drawing it for myself anymore. I'm drawing it for a company. I'm drawing it to put food on my uh, on my plate. 
And I think that's extremely relatable to me. I just loved how it was encapsulated without any dialogue, with uh, probably a song over it. I can't really remember uh, what song was playing over it. But yeah, I really like that scene. Uh, as for favorite character, um, I think... I mean, shout out to... Um, what's his name? Uh, Macaulay Culkin as the uh, the local skater. Did not expect <laughs> to see him there. Um, huh, I think my my actual favorite character might be um, the the pregnant best friend of Meadows. Oh yeah, she was oh, Karina. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. she was hilarious. Um, God, I still laughed at the one thing about this show. It was very. It it wasn't afraid to completely like throw something new halfway through the scene case in point the anime scene with the sushi restaurant um well well, that that was because all the all those stories were in a different style right so one of them was anime and um because it was the the japanese restaurant and i'm trying to remember the laundromat story yeah yeah the laundromat story was sort of a very um sort of caricature exaggerated style. Um, yeah, and then a, Macaulay Culkin was name, just, yeah. like, stick figures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, 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 uh, it's part of, a, part of a, a series. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I liked her, I liked her character. She was a nice breath of fresh air, just, uh, in, to, to save us from being bogged down in some of the more dramatic moments of, um, of the... Of the rom-com that was going on. I uh, so yeah. Sorry. Uh, there was a moment in the very beginning of the film where Meadow is developing some photos. And I believe one of the photos was a photo of her and her best friend, Karita. And I swear to God, I thought that it was trying to imply that they were together for some reason. Um, <laughs> and that's where I really uh, thought it was going. But I was like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> honestly, never mind. like... They, they're also kind of like Karina is like very much just like on her shoulder the first time you see them at the party too like when uh, when Javari's woken up uh, in the middle of the night so you're kind of like I want to say you're kind of led to believing that uh, and then you realize Karina's pregnant and you're like oh and then you realize Karina has something and you're like oh so. I will I will say there were some genuinely funny moments that made me laugh out loud in the show case in point the vagina party that was ridiculous <laughs> that was so uh, weird. with the I, Beyonce I, dancers the, the whole thing about like the 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 yonic there's a vocab word for you it is the <laughs> you know the vagina version of phallic the yonic curtains mm. low-key I was involved in a burlesque show in college that did that exact same thing oh. <laughs> pulling on prior experience I see uh look all I'm saying is they got it right <laughs> But yeah, the some of the stories where um, the flashback moments uh, for all our different characters, uh, yeah, were some of the the funniest moments in this show, and yeah, I thought I thought they were great. Uh, but let's talk about the meat of this uh, this show, more specifically the visuals. Um, and I mentioned a little bit about them at the beginning of how I felt like I could take a, a screenshot or a snapshot of any section of this movie. But I really do think that the use of color and the just like the background shots and the framing of some of the 
the moments like when um when Jabari and what's her name Carmen were like walking down that street in I what I assume China it was Chinatown with the red lanterns at the very beginning of the movie like just that one scene um was really well done visually that I think I could just watch an entire movie that was just composed of those snapshots uh but what about the rest of y'all I guess like maybe this can be an extra moment of a favorite visual moment for all of you one that stood out to you and one that uh, one that you really enjoyed um maybe not necessarily a visual moment but it was a purely visual sequence aka a sequence without dialogue um Mm. and it being the first time that they get together um uh i really liked how well it was actually interesting because I felt a level of ambiguity about what was going on. So during that scene, um, you know, they're hooking up and simultaneously we're shown images of them, quote unquote, in the future of them, you know, uh, Jabari meeting Karina and then Meadow meeting his friends, them, you know, doing the whole montage thing, as Iris pointed out, a couple of shots that they uh, mirror later on when they're breaking up as well. And wait, wait, point of clarification. Did you read... Uh... Did you read that scene as, like, being the shots of, like, the same hookup interspersed with future shots? Because I read that as, like, sort of a time skip montage of, like, no, it was they hooked the same up. hookup. Are you sure? Yes. I totally read that as, like, a hookup and then, like, them doing a thing and then hook them hooking up, like, a later time and then doing a thing and then hooking up on a later date because... So, I think that what it created was actually a level of, of ambiguity. On, well, I guess that's what we're seeing. <laughs> because because I genuinely think that what the purpose of that scene was, was to have kind of like the encapsulation of the good times of their relationship being, repre- like being represented by the start of uh, via this hookup, if that makes any sense. Like, for me, at least, it was it was interspersed. Okay, how about how about this? I think that the uh, interspersed moments of them hooking up were similar enough to each other that I read them as being the same scene and therefore they were effectively like they weren't even jumping around in time. Rather, it represented the fact that, you know, the good times of this relationship almost feel like they are this one unit that 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 time doesn't matter in in this state i guess i i guess i should say um and i thought that that was an interesting way to go about it uh because of its ambiguous nature if it was intended instead to be separate hookups i think they did a bad job because they were literally <laughs> the same shots uh <laughs> So I, 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 I took it as like a, a statement on like they're just they're doing the same thing a bunch. But like I think it, it, like the cinema, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. The cinematography was similar. The literal actions were not. Okay. From what I remember. M- maybe I was. Maybe it was just before. a really long and varied hookup. Like, was- like maybe they just had a lot of stamina. But, like, again, like, the hookup was also at different points throughout the whole scene. 
So like it wasn't the same section of the hookup every time. It was like the beginning and then the middle and then near the end. Like like it, it felt like <laughs> that hookup was advancing in time at the same rate that their relationship was also advancing in time, which is why I found them to be parallel. Well, and that's actually, I agree with that. And I, I see this, I saw like the same kind of progression of like, we're seeing a shot of a hookup near the beginning, a shot of a hookup near the middle, a shot of a hookup near the end. You are absolutely, there is absolutely a conflation there between the progression of like hookings up, uh, you know, a progression of like, I don't know, action, if you will, uh, to the progression of their relationship. And I think we just read it in different ways. Because you're right, it is ambiguous. You know, there, there, there is sort of a bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing I wanted to bring up, is that it added this level of ambiguity that was very interesting, like, uh, in a in a analytical way, if I should say. I buy it. I mean, I guess if we're talking about uh, favorite visual moments, like... I'm not going to have anything more to say other than I liked it, but I guess I have to name drop the, uh, the gala, the galaxy, you know, the, the galactic and the intergalactic. You mean when they entered galactic? Yes. When they entered galactic, <laughs> you know, the, when they, they entered the galactiverse and they turned on the collider and all the colors happened. That was another very spider verse moment. Um, I don't have anything to say about it. I truly like, I know it happened twice. I know it happened sort of once kind of in the middle ish uh maybe two-thirds of the way through ish uh, during a climactic relationship moment for them and i remember it happened at the end but that's the strength that the narrative has left an impression on me that i don't actually remember what prompted them just that they looked cool and there were lots of colors and stars and i bet you they had a lot of animators spend a lot of late nights at the studio to get that done on time yeah, I mean, this is going to feel like a little bit of like a, a fun fact drop, but so Kid Cudi's very first album, he had a song called Enter Galactic, but there was a space in between it, and I assume that's where he decided to get the name for this final album. Um, I don't really see the I don't I don't see the reason why this this needed to be called Intergalactic. I don't really see the reason why they needed to be galaxies in this movie. I don't really, like they they did look very pretty and stuff, but <laughs> there's nothing really to it, uh, uh, you know, concerning the name of the movie to the content of the movie. Considering that really the only other you know relationship is that there was this song that Kid Cudi made a long time ago with the same name. So yeah, I mean, again, Iris, I agree they were pretty, but uh, not much to them. Uh, I, I also, I want to shout out the FedEx turning into Chapter 2, the X. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, that was that great. Was, that I was thought amazing. that was hella clever. I thought that was cool. But um, it's it's another thing of, we love and we remember the really small moments of, like, clever artistry and the big overtures, you know, didn't leave much of an impression. The one small thing that I remember as well is that when Jabari picks up his sweater from Carmen, it has the words, uh, wait. Closure. closure and like, well i mean he's yeah. been he had been wearing that the whole no i know movie. but, no, but I'm saying, i agree that 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 was a it was an yeah, emphasis on but, that moment no yeah and then when he when he took it back the word stayed on the screen it stayed on the screen yeah mm-hmm. oh this this, this right. was closure with carmen that. yeah <laughs> yeah uh and like again this is not new territory in a way right like the spider-verse has done the same things and that's why this movie constantly gets compared to it but it's cool to see it's fun to see i also kind of want to I thought that the one of the things that I had noticed at the beginning of the movie was that the frame rate was actually kind of slow. Like it, in many spots, it was very it Dragon like, Prince season yeah, one. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it, it didn't feel like it was 
designed to be very smooth. Uh, but as I continued to watch the movie, I felt my, I, I found myself not really having too much of an issue with it. I thought that there was, I think, A, there's kind of a relationship you could draw to uh, Meadows' kind of pho- photography background and using that as a way to kind of make, you know, because her, her whole last speech in the conclusion of the movie is about capturing moments and stuff, right? And I don't know, I thought that there was something going on there with how they wanted to make each moment feel like it was memorable and therefore have it look more like a sideshow than it was just a, a fully uh, smooth animated piece. Um, but I also thought that it was a... It worked better with the overall art style, too. With with emphasis more on color than line and stuff like that. More, you know, less detail, but just more kind of, like, color coming at you. I thought that it, it made it so that, um, you know, the movements were not so much, like... It wasn't supposed to look polished. It was supposed to look like art. Like, you know, pieces of paper layered on top of each other. So, again, another kind of... Uh, speaking to this this movie as an art piece more than an actual film i guess yeah and i do think because this movie does stand in as an art piece uh meadow's speech at the end does hit does ring true and like the entire art exhibition all the uh all the philosophical statements they said in that that section was also like came from a came from uh a place of people like knowing what they're talking about as they were making this. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. This week's video that you can watch online, uh, I think I have to recommend um, the video The Making of Enter Galactic by Netflix to see how the show was created from inception to animation. So go check that out. And next week, we will be watching Wreck-It Ralph. So go ahead and watch that if you'd like to watch along with us. And please email us at bestseatpodcast at gmail.com if you have a show suggestion or just want to tell us about your own favorite moments and characters. Thank you to Ben from The Real Beast Podcast for intro and outro theme. And once again, thank you so much for listening. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.